0: Well, welcome to Mission in Five, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I'm your host, Greg Mamula, and every week through my work with the American Baptist Churches in Nebraska and my ongoing writing projects, I get to partner with churches and ministry leaders. I'm always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches come together for mission and ministry. So that's the purpose of this podcast to share the many things that God is doing, and to meet some of the people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. Well, my guest today is the Reverend Mark DeCliver, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Kearney, Nebraska. Mark is from Manitoba and has a rockin' Canadian accent. During our conversation, we discuss our mutual love of discipleship. Through his work as a pastor and some intentional study of congregations, Mark has come to have a deep understanding of how discipleship is an ongoing, organic process rather than a formalized program. We break down his three main discipleship emphases of relationship, identity, and kingdom. We also discuss what ministry might look like going forward as we continue to work our way toward more in-person church dynamics. Now, I had a really great conversation with Mark and, and hope that you enjoy it as well. We had, he has so many rich insights, I chose not to edit too much of his conversation and just really welcome you into the ongoing dialogue that we had. So this episode's a little bit longer than some of the others featured on the podcast, but it is well worth your time to really hear his passion and his insights into discipleship and to ministry. So, here's my conversation with Mark DeCliver, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Kearney. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me, Greg. Well, I'm really glad you're here, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Um, As you know, we're going to ask you five simple questions to learn more about who you are and where you see God working in your community. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Question number one,
1: who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Mark. I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnipeg is is a capital city of that province. It's about an hour and a half north of the north dakota border and has the uh i guess it has the distinction of being the second coldest city on the planet with a population over half a million so that doesn't usually make it into the tourism brochures (laughs) but that is uh that's what we are so i grew up there with my mom and dad and two brothers dad was an immigrant from holland he left after the second world war okay and so uh a lot of our family history was tied into that kind of background Um, married my wife in 1991 we've got three girls Uh, two of them are still in Canada one of them is down here finishing off her senior year at high school and um, see I I tell people people have asked me about my, my wife and for a while I was having to tell them that we were separated. But as soon as I mentioned that word, I realized that that's not the word I want to use. Oh, right. It's yeah. accurate, but not good. Yes. Uh, when we, um, when we moved down I moved down with my daughter in August of 2019, uh, my wife stayed up there to, uh, both to help sell the house, but also she had a hip surgery and, uh, We'd been waiting two years for her hip surgery, so she had that done. I went up in the uh, middle of February, end of February, to help out after the surgery, and then I flew back down March 2nd, and right after that, they closed the border. Right. So that's kind of a little bit of what our trip's been like. She's down here with me now. Oh, very good. But I've been in ministry for about 20 Full time, about 24 years. Uh, the last churches I were in was in were um, lead pastor positions in Winnipeg and in a town called Hinton. Hinton is about eight hours north northwest of the Montana Alberta border. It's right along the uh, right along the Rocky Mountains. Okay, so that's that's kind of an overview of of me. Yeah, very good. What
0: well, do you have any hobbies or interests? Things that keep you busy when you're not doing uh,
1: traditional uh, pastoral ministry. Well, I'm I'm getting back into fishing again, and wow. I'm hoping to get back into hockey. I uh, was hurt playing, oh, probably eight years ago, and um, so I'm wanting to get back into it here. And since I'm in Nebraska now. I figure my odds are a little bit better at being a good player. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So we yeah. we're,
0: we're not exactly known for having strong hockey traditions. However, no, UNO has a pretty good hockey team and then uh Carney has a pretty big hockey scene, right? Cuz they have the yeah. the minor league or some kind of traveling team there, right?
1: yeah and they're fun to watch so i figure as long as i play with the older guys i'll look okay but uh, (laughs) we'll see how that goes yeah well that's about how i feel Uh, with softball i'm on a
0: i have a softball team that i play with and and i'm becoming the older statesman at this point
1: so (laughs) oh yeah 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 it's funny you know i remember i remember the one game years and years ago when the puck went by me and my brain said you can get that and my body just said no (laughs) just kidding (laughs) leave it yeah leave it for the young guy you know and uh so yeah things have changed over the years sure yeah what kind of fishing do you do well honestly i'm relearning fishing because okay uh some of the species that you have here we just didn't have in our area right that makes sense so yeah, I'm just kind of relearning. I'm doing a little bit of uh doing a little bit of fly fishing, which I might actually do today. Oh wow. Very and good. It's uh, beautiful out today. Some... Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's uh this would be the first time I've ever fished from shore in March. Oh. Uh, so I know it's normal to everybody else, but it's kind of a, a special thing for me.
0: Yeah. Well, depending on the March, you could also still do ice fishing here. So you just never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how does somebody from Manitoba become pastor on staff at First Baptist Church Kearney? How did you get to be here
1: with us as an American Baptist? Oh, well, I at the time I was in in the town of Hinton and you know, we had just things weren't going bad at all. And but we just felt like God was might be doing something. Yeah. And it all started when we went to a wedding. Went to a wedding about six hours away from where we lived. And my wife uh, was getting ready for the wedding. She went in to get her nails done at the mall, and I was in the mall. So I decided to go to a bookstore, pick up a cheap book, and then go to Starbucks. And as I'm in line in Starbucks, this guy walks by that I haven't seen from tw- for 20 years. And last time I saw him, he lived, oh, probably about 30, 35 hours away from where I was. Wow. Wow so his name is mark and uh so i saw him there we got into a conversation and he just out of nowhere says well how long do you think god will have you in hinton i said i don't know probably until he calls me elsewhere and that's where he said i think you should apply to our church and leanne and i uh we just that just seemed really odd to us yeah um and it just came out of nowhere so we started thinking you know this is just odd enough that maybe god is doing something so we applied and then i started getting calls from places like calgary and i attended a church with my daughter and once i got into the parking lot i was told yeah our church is looking for a pastor you should apply and there was just all these other things that seemed to be happening excuse me i'm gonna sneeze maybe not uh so there were just all these other things that were happening and leanne and i just started to feel that it appears god is leading us out yeah and we don't know where to mm-hmm. and god had always put a, a real interest and passion in my life for discipleship uh that started when i was a youth pastor uh, it carried on when I was in Winnipeg on my sabbatical. I took um, I took time to go see three different churches in North America and spend about a week with each one. Yeah, just to learn what they were doing in the area of discipleship, what mm-hmm. was working, what wasn't, what's what are the issues. And so that's always been an issue for me. What What and, were some of
0: those insights you had as you did that journey? I mean, I'm also a big proponent of discipleship. It's one of the things that um, I love. Yeah, engaging with, with, our, with our churches and, and one of the things I write a lot about and so uh, what were some of your discoveries by visiting those three churches
1: I guess one of the issues is that quite often discipleship is seen as a program when it's really a process Yeah, and we try to make it something that we formalize and only formalize when discipleship happens as we're doing life together It's something that happens when you and I are sitting down and pushing each other uh, towards Christ, where we're challenging each other on some of the issues, or we're encouraging each other, but where we're really trying to foster the development of Christ-likeness within each other. Uh, One of the things that I—a few of the things that I picked up, particularly from one church in Arizona, was— you know, it's important to realize that Christ in you is going to look different than Christ in me, Greg. Yeah. So, and the reason for that is God has created you different than me. Uh, he didn't want another Mark the Cliver, He wanted the Greg. Yeah. And so he's given you certain passions and abilities. He's given you certain interests. He's given you all these different things. And so when I'm doing discipleship, my goal is not to make you look like me my goal is to help you become the person Christ is forming in you already yeah. so that's that's really a key thing because it's so easy to think well you've got to have my view of all these different things and you've got to look like me and it's not about me it's about Jesus yeah amen oh. that's very yeah good. and and there are three other things that were really key um, that this one church held to as being essential for discipleship. And they were uh, the relational aspect that discipleship happens in relationship. And that relationship is essential, both the, the horizontal person to person and the vertical, me to God, that the identity is important. And we keep seeing this with people, both in our church and in the churches I've been before, where we need to understand who we are in Christ because we've got an entire culture telling us who we are based on our abilities or lack of, mm. based on our finances or lack of, you know. And, yeah. and so we just fall into defining ourselves that way. And, and we need to get back to who am I in Christ? Yeah. What does he say and who who does he say I am? So uh, for instance, I'm working with a, a gentleman right now and we're going through Ephesians. And the goal <clears throat> with him is to simply Work your way through the book and write down everything it says about who God is and how God sees you. Because we need to get back to who am I in Christ. And, and uh, even yesterday, I brought up what I think is a really important question for each of us to ask as disciples. And the question is, why does God love me? Yeah. Because if we get that answer wrong, We're prone towards legalism, or we feel like we have to earn his love, or we wonder whether whether we can ever earn his love. And we've got to get back to, who am I in Christ? Why does God love me? And when we talk that through, I really believe that the answer to why God loves me is because that's the way he is. (laughs) Very good. Uh, I think it was Oswald Chambers who said, uh, God loved me not because I was lovable, but because it was His nature to do so. Yeah, um, and that's so key because once once we understand that as a disciple, you stop wondering if I can do enough. You stop you stop looking back at all your sins and thinking, "Oh, I've really messed up. God could never love me," and instead you can live in an appreciation of the love of God for you. Yeah. and there's a security in there that you won't find if you don't understand that. So identity was the second thing the third thing that that was essential was understanding uh, a kingdom mentality. And sometimes when we talk as churches about a kingdom mentality it's it's kind of surface level. There's really three levels and and the first two are are things like uh a kingdom mentality means that we're all on the same team the alliance the baptist you know we're all working for the kingdom of god another level that gets brought up is well it's all god's stuff everything i have is is his but the third level that needs to be brought into our lives ties into the sovereignty of god and the third level of understanding this kingdom mentality is god has intentionally placed me in this community, with these people, on this job, in this family, for a kingdom purpose. Uh, and I really think that's important to to recognize if we're going to be disciples of Christ.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a really rich insights that you've developed um, by observing these congregations and obviously going through your years of ministry uh, and practicing them as a pastor as well, as you guide people. Um, I. I really like this this trifold understanding of relationships, identity, and kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. m- my work with with table life is is not terribly dissimilar in those emphases. You know, I I want to bring people to the table so that we can build relationships with Christ and with those who are gathered at the table with us. Yeah. Um, I want people to have their identity rooted in Jesus. Um, and, and so that then after the meal is over, we're all sent out to be participants in the kingdom of God, aware of what, what Christ is doing in each of our lives and in the lives of this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, appreciate those insights. Um, uh, I, I did want to kind of jump on, on identity a little bit. I was just actually having a conversation the other day with somebody. I, th- I think, um, your insight to say if our identities are in the wrong place, then, then everything else is, is, is difficult or inaccurate or um, maybe not inaccurate, yeah, but certainly, certainly not rooted where it needs to be. And it leads you down right. crazy roads.
1: Yeah. Because um, we tend to live out of our identity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're all in search of one, right? We're, we're desperate yeah. for that yeah. identity. And, and, and I think that's one of the interesting things about what's happening in our culture presently mm-hmm. is there are so many subgroups And sub identities that everybody's in search of, you know, they Mm. want to be something, you know? And so they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this fandom, you know, I'm, you know, let's let's just do baseball. I love baseball, right? It's one of my mm-hmm. things. So, like, you can be a major league baseball fan, but then you're a a Red Sox fan, and then within the Red Sox, you're a fan of Xander Bogarts. You know, and and then it just becomes like these niche niche that identifies. Yeah. And one of the things I'm hearing you say is that we can do like all those. Everybody's in search of an identity, and when mm-hmm. and when we're Christians, um, we can put a lot of adjectives before the word Christian. I'm a Baptist Christian. I'm a yeah. Baptist biker Christian. I'm a mm-hmm. Baptist biker heavy metal Christian. And the next thing you know, you've put about 14 adjectives in front of Christ follower.
1: You've got and, the order improper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, can I find uh, even uh, the difference in in being in the U.S.? A lot of people see themselves first as republican or democrat or american and yeah. you're not you're yeah. first of all you are christian and then you can be whatever but yeah. your first allegiance is to christ mm. and and this constant search for identity and we see it in in teenagers we see it in adults it, it makes me wonder about genesis because in genesis yeah. you see genesis chapter one it says and god made them in his yeah likeness and image right Mm -hmm. and then the temptation comes that well if you do this you'll be like god yes they're already like god in the ways that god wants them to be like him and so there's this there's this discontent in being who we are yeah and we want to add more to it and at some point When we keep adding more and more to identity, we keep splintering ourselves from more and more people until all there is is loneliness. There's a part where we just have to be content. Yeah. This is who I am in Christ, and that's enough.
0: Yeah. And and that's the thing that should then um, hopefully unite us as a community of Christ followers, right? We don't need all the sub— groups yes. and niches. Now, sometimes those are helpful, and that might speak to personality, because just like you said, yeah. you know, Jesus wants me to be the best Christ follower that Greg can be, which might be different yeah. from the Christ follower that Mark is, right?
1: It'll, it's going to look different, yeah.
0: But what unites us is, yes. is, is identity in Jesus, not in all the other small things that we can take pleasure in, but not... Yeah. They aren't primary identities.
1: And and there's some really important points for that, for, uh, for the culture that the church is in right now. Because we see people who are, there's such a political divide in the U.S. You're a Republican and you're a Democrat. And as a Canadian, I'm I'm still rather new to all this. Right. But it seems like you're a Republican or a Democrat and whatever team you're on or tribe, because it is more tribal than anything. Yeah whatever team you're on, they're always right. And the other team's always wrong. And so they can't even talk to each other. But as Christians, we are Christian first. Yes. And the church should be a place where it can be displayed to the world that you can disagree and love each other deeply. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we've got that opportunity. The the culture needs to see this sort of thing. And I believe that they want to see it, but they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. And then as
0: that, as it goes through your three, right? So, Because that's both relationship really? and identity. The, yeah. the disagreement then just becomes about how, what does the kingdom look like and how do we live this together? And it's mm-hmm. less about in and out, right and wrong, my side versus your side. It's how can we move into the kingdom together? Uh, and so the yeah. questions are different.
1: Yeah, and you know it's interesting that I've talked to some people and their views are, well, Christianity is all about ethics. So, it's all about making people better. It's not about ethics. No. Ethics should come out of it, but there, it's not about ethics. Jesus didn't come because you needed the better ethic. He came because you needed the better Savior. So, this whole thing of ethics, when you look at the great commandment, it says, love the Lord your God. That's a relational idea. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord with your God, with everything that you are. Right. And all the ethics all the behavior flows out of the love because we tend to become like the things we love. And honestly, and I've mentioned this to people here too, my sinfulness is usually when at that moment I love something more than Jesus. That's when it tends to come up. Come on man, that's right. So.
0: Yeah, man, I could do this all day, but uh, we have to ask the other questions as well. So (laughs) tell me about this love, this passion for discipleship, um, but also tell me what's just going on at Kearney. I mean, it's one of our our great churches out there in central Nebraska. Um, What are some of the things happening there?
1: Well, like everybody else, we're kind (laughs) of—we've been going through the pandemic, Yeah, right? Yeah, it's true. And so we've all had to learn, how do we— how do we help each other through this like how do we how do we keep people connected how do we help them grow because we grow best in the relationship right and now we've got this pandemic that's shutting it down and and uh, having friends in canada and talking to what's going on up there it's some of them are finding it a lot harder than here hmm. uh, but now that we are at least in nebraska coming out of this it appears We're getting back into how do we rebuild all the ministries? Right. Like, how do we reintroduce public small groups? And so that's been a bit of a challenge. One of my areas is small groups or or growth groups, we call them. Okay. And uh, with the pandemic, uh, some people didn't feel comfortable going to them, some people only wanted to do them online. just, just a variety of things. And so we had to figure out how do we do this and how do we help right now? They're coming back. Okay. Uh, so one of the problems that I'm having is we've got more people wanting to be in small groups than we do leaders, ah. which is a, it's a good problem, but it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Right. Uh, so, but it's, it's good. I was talking to a couple of small groups um, last week, and it is just, it's so good to hear some of the things that God is doing in some of these people's lives. Yeah. So we've got people in our small groups who talk about, you know, I'm starting a Bible study for a friend of mine. They're not a Christian, but they want to know, they want to know who Jesus is. And mm. so they wanted to start studying the Bible with me. That's good. And we're hearing these sorts of things. And it's just, it's really encouraging as a pastor. That's cool. So that's been that's been really neat to see. We're having um Sean's been preaching on the book of Acts and looking at the mission of God and what's a disciple. So discipleship has been a big thing that keeps coming up. Yeah, uh, We've got, um, now I feel like I'm just starting to list things off. But no, that's okay. We've got uh, G. Warner Wallace is coming to our church on the 14th of this month. So we're looking forward to that and uh, just to see what God does with that. Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know, just to watch. And, and the people who are coming back, this has changed them, this this uh, pandemic. I had a guy, he was wearing a mask on Sunday, and, and we were talking, and he asked if it was okay to shake my hand, and I did because I missed that. Yeah. And then he asked if he could give me a hug. Honestly, with the mask, I haven't got a clue who this guy is. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> But I gave him a hug anyway, and we're just starved for... The connection right now yeah and that's going to be both a a blessing and a challenge to figure out yeah to figure this out i
0: yeah that's kind of one of the things i'm observing from a distance with a variety you know getting the opportunity to work with multiple congregations but mm-hmm. um you know as we have observed already in our conversation that w- Throughout the COVID experience, in the United States at least, mm. was a very divisive experience because we yeah. also went through an election cycle and everything seemed to get politicized. Um, yes. Sports and shopping, I mean, everything, right? Masks, yeah. no masks, in church, in person, online, you know. And I think one of the things we're going to experience as pastors and we probably need to be prepared for is people are going to have to see each other face to face that might Mm -hmm. have said and done some things we might regret online, you know, with a social media tweet or a post or even just our own beliefs. Maybe we didn't write it down, but we just assumed that the other was the bad guy you know, because Mm -hmm. they were the other, you know, in the political cycle or whatever. And uh, as we come back into church, I think one of the works, especially for a discipleship pastor like yourself, um, or associate pastor, sorry, uh, is I'm going to have to help them navigate being a community again. And they're going to have to extend grace to one another and figure out how to, to have this identity in Jesus, as we've already talked about, yeah. but but that's going to be part of that experience, I think, as, past, as churches come back together, as they start to meet more in person, is some of those dynamics that played out on the internet, perhaps, are going to be suddenly knee to knee with me at a table or side by side as we go to the communion table where Jesus is host and have to reconcile that with each other. Um, do you you think that's going to be the case or do you think I'm just pontificating Uh, philosophically? No, I
1: think there will be some of that because we have, we've been divided on a lot of things. And sometimes we've been more concerned about, um, again, it goes back to identity. Yeah. Uh, We've been more concerned about what are my rights as an American? Mm. What are my freedoms as an American? Instead of thinking, what's my duty as a Christian? uh part of your duty as a christian is not to rip apart another person on uh on the internet especially not a brother or sister yeah and and i think the the emphasis over rights and freedoms at times has overshadowed our duty to one another as christian brothers and sisters yeah so we need to relearn we need to we need to have grace which both means Extending grace and asking for grace. Yeah, I mean that's so we'll we'll have to see how that goes. I'm I'm not sure how that'll go, Greg. Yeah, I I don't I don't know either,
0: and I think it's going to vary from community to community. But mm-hmm. um, I think it is something to be thinking about oh, yes. as a pastor as we go into whatever's next. That's going to be part of the healing process because it's not just hey we're so excited we all get to come back. When we all come back to in-person experiences and, and as social distancing becomes less and small groups become more and maybe even fellowship meals begin to happen again, um, mm. there's going to be wounds we bring with us into those spaces. And, and, and I think the, the thing that has happened previously is, is maybe we worked together. And navigated together, because we were physically near each other through Mm -hmm. times like this. But because we weren't physically near, um, it it polarized us all the more. And so we didn't work through our differences together the same way we would have. The differences may have been there, but we worked through them differently because we Mm -hmm. were isolated from one another. And um, it'll be interesting to see um, how our churches come back together. And if we can— do, you know, what we've talked about, put Christ first, build those relationships, have our identity in Jesus and build the kingdom together. Um, that'll, that'll be yeah, a telltale sign in another year or two
1: where we yeah, as bodies of, the, of Christ. Yeah, one of the challenges with the, well, the Western church anyway, is the area of grace. Yeah. Uh, because grace ought to be just a normal part of the church, but grace requires two things. It requires me to admit i need it and it requires someone to extend it to me Uh, Hmm. and it's two sides of the same coin and one of the things that we've struggled with just as a culture is that nothing's ever wrong with me so i never (laughs) You got a pretty good pulse on
0: the American psyche there. <laughs>
1: well, it's not so different up north, uh, but, it, but nothing's ever wrong with me, right? I have to keep on the mask, and I have to, you yeah. know, everything's always good. And so since nothing's ever wrong with me, I never need to ask for grace or forgiveness. Yeah. And as long as I never ask for it, it can never be extended. Yeah. So we can kill grace in two ways in the church. One is by never having a need of it or imagining we don't. Right. And the other is by never offering it when it is asked for yes. or when it's just needed. Um, and so we, we don't do ourselves any favors as Christians and as churches when we neglect either side of that coin. And when you're getting it back into connecting, reconnecting with people after COVID and perhaps, you know, things were said online because we say dumb things online. Sure. Um, there would be some very healthy things that would come about if we could look at each other and say, "You know, I said this online, and I really shouldn't have." and I'm sorry Yeah. Just own up your yeah, own up to what you did. No No excuses. Just say, "I did this, I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. And on the other side, we need to extend grace when you hear things like that and just say, I forgive you, I love you. Yeah, amen.
0: Uh, John Barclay wrote a great book, I don't know, five years ago or so, called Paul and the Gift. And he would extend, um, he talked a lot about what is grace, you know, mm. and, and, and he's got kind of this, I forget exactly how many. There were several steps to, to understanding what Paul talks about when he talks about grace. I think it's like eight. Uh, but anyway, I, I would add a third thing to this is, so yes, we need to admit we're in need of grace. We need to extend grace. Um, and for him, that's the idea of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to uh, think about it both relationally with our um, interpersonal relationships, like between people. But you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier your vertical relationship as well. And so when God extends grace to us— um in in the form of mercy and forgiveness and the cross and the resurrection, these sort of things yeah uh, we we might be saved by grace alone, but that also requires us to respond to that in some way and to do live in a state of grace right to do something yes. to th- to say yes, I've been forgiven, but now I have to be part of the kingdom, you know it's I'm a participant now. I'm not just saved by grace and then I'm done. I'm yeah. saved by grace for being an active for participant in the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah. You, you are saved for a purpose. Yeah. It's not just now you're saved, now do whatever you want. That's license and that's destructive. Right. Uh, and a lot of this goes back to identity. Yeah. Recognizing that I am saved by grace. But now that I'm saved, I'm called to be the person that God sees me as. I'm called to be a Christian, a Christ follower. So, mm. what does that look like? It goes back into identity, as in uh, image of God. I need to treat other people as image bearers of, of God, whether they are um, whether they're Christian or not. Yeah. Uh, the Bible, Genesis, makes it clear. Whether it's uh, Genesis one, Genesis nine, James. Um, that image of God isn't just Christian. Image of God is humanity. Mm, yes. So, and and this ties into racism and everything else yep. that I need as a Christian to look at other people, whether they are black or white or gay or straight or Christian or Muslim or whatever they are, even if they're Canadian. <laughs> I need to, you know, I, I need to look at them and realize this is a person created in the image of God. Yeah. And the image the what you do with the image reflects your view of the original. You know, if I have a picture yeah. of uh if I tell you how much I love my mother-in-law and you walk through my house and every picture is marred up and there's mustaches and horns and whatever sure. on every drawing, you're going to wonder if I actually love my mother-in-law because I don't treat her image very well. Right. Same thing?
0: yeah I, I think that's that's pretty insightful. I think it's starting with recognizing that that person's already an image bearer yes um now we, we may be damaged, it... we may be wounded. we might have done things to mar that image as you're as, as you're describing, but they're already an image bearer. We're not yeah. witnessing them into image bearing. We're yes. witnessing them and evangelizing for the purpose of making them aware of that fact, yeah, and they may not Cause... know. They are I remember yeah.
1: I remember being in Winnipeg and a transit bus going by and on the side it had a sign that said stop racism. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well that'll do it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Problem it's, solved. It's like really, uh, but when you when you look at it from the Christian biblical perspective, the reason you stop racism is is not because you've got a slogan the reason racism stops is because you look at your brother or you look at you look at the other person regardless of how they're living regardless of color or background or creed and you recognize that they are created in the image of god yeah and since i love my god and since my god loves these people i need to treat them properly i don't need to agree with them um i can get into arguments with them but I need to treat them with respect and I need to treat them properly.
0: Yeah. And again, that comes back to relationship, identity, kingdom. I mean, I think, I think yes. that's a great outline. All right. Um, sorry, we got to move forward, but, uh okay. do you got anything new coming up? Anything next? Um, or is this the next, the welcoming oh. people back, or do you have some well, big programs is... and things prepared for further into
1: 2021? Um, well, I mentioned a couple already with the Jay Warner Wallace and the men's, uh, Retreat, yeah, but a lot of what we're doing now is just trying to how do we re how how do we do this again, yeah. Uh, for me personally, I've been picking away at my doctorate, and we'll see, we'll see how long that takes at this point. (laughs) Um, it is uh, work for sure. Well, yeah, and and our we're still trying to sell our house up in Canada, right. And uh, it's nice my wife is down here now. She's been here for about six months now. Um, so we're just kind of, we're just trying to work this through. Sure. I only got here a few months before, before COVID hit. Right. Maybe five months yeah. before COVID hit. So I really haven't seen a normal year. Um, That's fair. So I'm kind of looking yeah. forward to that. But a lot of it's going to be, how do we reopen? How do we expand our, our growth group ministries? How do we bring uh, the children's ministry into discipleship and the, the adult Sunday school into discipleship? Um, because we're uh, one of the things that we're trying to implement here is the Great Commission says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And as North Americans, we seem to have bought into the teaching part yeah uh, i think it was socrates who said that uh, the reason a person doesn't do the right thing is because they don't know what the right thing is so if you just tell them they'll do it which if you've got kids it's really <laughs> clear that's not i think socrates was single because that have just been. doesn't it doesn't work so we're but what we've done sometimes in, in the church is we've thought, well, we'll just give them all this information. Yeah. And then they'll just automatically change. Mm-hmm. But we need to work on teaching them how to obey. And so part of that is how do we provide opportunities for obedience? Yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out what that looks like in the different groups. Um, so that we're not just sitting down in a group, stuffing ourselves with Bible knowledge, but not applying it. Right. But we're actually learning by doing as well. Yeah, that's a good point. My, uh,
0: The executive minister of Nebraska here, Robin Stoops, um, has often said that we've reduced discipleship to being who knows the most about the Bible. Yeah. And um, that's—discipleship isn't just head knowledge— Um, In fact, the whole enlightenment concept, you know, the, the theory of education and stuff is, is built on that Socrates, you know, principle. If we just have more access to education, then everything will work itself out because then people will choose the right thing, you know, and if, you know, a, century of world wars and conflict and social yeah. injustice has taught us anything is more knowledge does not create justice or fairness or discipleship so and um, what does
1: the bible say about about uh, ethics really love the lord your god yeah it's an action it, it it's an action it's a relationship it starts with that and everything flows out from that when mm-hmm. we think we can just impose by giving information. The problem isn't that we're not smart. The problem is we don't care. It's a heart problem. When I sin, it's not because I didn't know, in most cases, it's not because I didn't know what I was doing was sinful. It's because at that moment, I didn't care. Yeah. Uh, There was something I loved more than Christ. And so information is important, and the Holy Spirit works through that too. But to think that, it's only information that misses so much of what scripture says all right so how can we as american baptists come alongside and partner with you support you in some way are like a lot of churches in our our biggest need is prayer okay um because we're reconnecting all the people yeah we're restarting all the ministries mm-hmm. there's uh somebody asked well who Who's been absent from your church for a long time? And the answer was everybody. All of them. You know, yeah, so uh, it, it's trying to figure out how do we reconnect? How do we help? Because yeah, uh, and so we need prayer for that. One of the things that has come up during this time has been uh, just nationally, suicides and family, uh, domestic abuse and things like that, mm. because we can hold things together for a while. But oftentimes it's once things start to feel a little bit better, or once the major tension is gone, then sometimes people start behaving in ways they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, because when you're in the difficulty, you can, you can push together to get through it, but then the stress starts to leak out after. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, prayer for that. Um, yeah, just generally prayer for, for this whole, uh, for getting back on, on track with everything.
0: Very good. Well, we will come alongside you in prayer then. Well, Thanks, Mark, Greg. thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. This was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it too. Thanks, Greg. Well, thank you for downloading and streaming the latest episode of Mission in 5. Keep tuning in as we introduce you to the ministry practitioners engaging in God's mission through the local church in Nebraska and around our larger American Baptist community. Check out the show notes for contact information and links to our various guests. Subscribe to the podcast in whatever platform you like. Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play. We're in all the platforms. Whichever one you use, be sure to rate and review us so we know how you're enjoying the podcast. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes, and feel free to support us through our ABCNebraska.com PayPal link. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day. This episode of Mission in 5 is brought to you by my new book, Table Life, an Invitation into Everyday Discipleship. Table Life is available in print and e-reader versions from all your favorite distributors, including Amazon, Judson Press, Barnes & Noble, and Christian Books. To get a free chapter, visit my website, table-life.org, and use the sign-up form at the homepage. Jolene Erlacher is the author of Millennials in Ministry, Daniel Generation, and founder of Leading Tomorrow. She says that combining engaging narrative and meaningful theology, this book challenges and encourages us to step outside our comfort zones into deep relationships essential to everyday discipleship. Practical skills and action steps make table life an attainable reality. This is an inspirational guide for anyone seeking deeper connection with others and spiritual growth in a community.